And I'll, I'll read, I will begin in, in chapter 9, verse uh, 13. Um, I will only read through about verse uh, 11 of chapter 10, but we will uh, consider this morning the end of 9 and uh, all of chapter 10. So let me ask if you're able uh, that you stand as we read God's Word this morning. This is uh, the Word of God. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There's an evil that I have seen under the sun. As it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. And he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. You may be seated. You have presumably experienced something like um, a, a moment when a, a word or a short sentence or uh, something that seemed uh, innocuous at the time that seemed like really no big deal at the time or or that you thought would remain in private, ended up not so private, and it ended a friendship. It ended a relationship. Uh, it was just a it was just a text message that I sent. It really wasn't that big a deal. It was one message meant for one person, and yet now the campaign for election is over. 
Uh, she was a, a wallflower in high school. Now she's the, um, she runs a Fortune 500 company. Uh, he gave a few dollars uh, that became a, the seed money for a large endowment. Uh, an oak tree grows from just a, a tiny little acorn. You know, we don't think about it very much, but our, our experience shows us, I'm not sure really that we always think about it, that we're aware of it, but our lives show us, our experience shows us that huge effects can come from very small things. Very small things can have huge, long-lasting, huge impact. They can come from something just insignificant. The Bible tells us this. We actually read this in James 3 just a few minutes ago. You've got this huge, massive ship that's blown around, that's you know, kind of guided and directed and pushed along by a large, strong wind, and yet a rudder, just a small board that you just adjust a little bit and that big, massive ship can adjust its course. Your tongue is a rather small muscle. And yet with it, you can destroy the lives of people around you. It can cause wars. It can ruin friendships. It can ruin election campaigns. You know, there are reports that one of the fires out in California was started by a gender reveal party. They had a, um, some sort of firework at this gender reveal party. And with that, hundreds, even thousands of acres of land have been destroyed. You've perhaps sung it at camp. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. We know this. We know that little things can ultimately have rather large, unsuspecting consequences. Great things can come from something simple and unimpressive. Things terrible and horrible can come from just one small mistake. And that's where the preacher is in this passage. He recognizes the reality of the danger of small things, of seemingly insignificant things that have impact far beyond their, their size, uh, their uh, presumed impact. For that matter, wisdom, it turns out, in the story he told at the end of chapter 9, can actually be more powerful than a mighty army. Uh, a great king comes with his, his army and he besieges this. And we're told it's a small city with few people. It's not like he's gathering around, you know, building an army and besieging New York City. He's besieging Elkmont. 
a small city with a few people. And he retells this story of the way that that city was delivered from this king and from his army. There's a a man in the city. He's poor, but he's wise. He's not mighty. He doesn't doesn't belong in, in the list of David's mighty men. He's not, you know, he's not SEAL Team 6 kind of a person. He's not named. We never know who he is. In fact, we're told he's been forgotten. But he's wise. And somehow, and we don't even know how, we're not even, the story doesn't even carry those details. Somehow, his little bit of wisdom was able to deliver this city from a far more powerful oppressor. An insignificant man with just a bit of wisdom, poor, unnamed, forgotten, was able to accomplish more than you would have expected from someone like him. Just a little bit of wisdom foiled the plans of that great army. But notice what really makes the preacher pull his hair out as a result of this story. It's the fact that nobody can name him. You can't run down to your local library. You can't run over to Google. You can't, can't grab your, your class history book and look him up in the index and go, oh yeah, that's right. I remember now, page 73. He's the guy that delivered. He's lost. His name, his, the, the means by which he delivered the city. The preacher's struggle, verse 16, wisdom may be great, but we've lost track of this man. Where's the benefit of wisdom if no one's going to remember you? That's the preacher's struggle. That's his, that's his conflict. What's the point of being wise if it's only good for the here and now and nobody is going to keep track of who you are in the years to come? What's the benefit of wisdom if the effects of that wisdom don't last? But he says, it's better at least than the loud shouts of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, even if the work of the wise is easily forgotten, is easily overthrown. Have you ever had the experience of I don't know, building something, of helping establish something, of, of being a part of the start of something great, only to have that thing completely destroyed by one simple mistake. That's where the preacher ends up. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. It's a a bottle of perfume. It's a a vat of perfume. It's, It's intended to attract 
the attention of members of the opposite sex. It's intended to make you smell nice and for other people to go, hey, he smells nice. She smells nice. I want to go see, go talk to this person. I like that smell. That's a nice. And instead, a fly gets inside the bottle of perfume. At which point, there's nothing to do but to pour it out. One simple fly ruins the whole batch. It changes the smell. It makes it smell bad. It makes it impure. One simple dead fly ruins, makes to smell bad what's supposed to smell great. And unless you are one of the monsters in Monsters, Inc., this isn't the smell you want. This isn't the smell you're going for. Just like that, one sin can undo much wisdom and can undo much good. One sin can undo everything that wisdom has accomplished. You know people who have, or you've heard of people who have political aspirations who can never run because of one social media post. You know people with political aspirations who can never run because of something they said or did even years ago that you know is going to be brought back out for everyone to see. Pete Rose, one of the greatest baseball players of all times, remains out, in fact, still to this day holds records that he held when he retired decades ago. And he still remains not in the Hall of Fame because he gambled on baseball games, including apparently games he played in. One deed, one act, ruins an entire career. One sin can destroy all the great accomplishments that wisdom has accomplished. There's a fly in the ointment. And that's the, the preacher's struggle. What's the point of wisdom if one little bit of folly can ruin it all? Where's the good in that? Now I have to warn you, uh, you can't walk out of here with verse 2 and make a political statement. Uh, you can't walk out of here with verse 2 and say that left-handed people are nuts. It doesn't work that way. That's not the point. That's not the aim of verse 2. He's, he's contending that wisdom leads to doing what is right and folly leads to doing what is evil. Uh, for that matter, uh, the Ninevites in Jonah were described as not knowing their right from their left. They didn't have a moral compass to know right from wrong. But just a little sin can destroy all that wisdom has accomplished. Now, we know that technically there's no little sin. That given our standing before God, there is no such thing as a little sin. Any violation of God's command is a, is a form of cosmic treason, of me demanding my rights at His expense. 
That said, there is a difference between one sin and another. I would much rather that you lie to me than kill me. So we recognize that there are degrees in terms of, of the size, for lack of a better word, of a sin. Every sin is a, is a manifestation of cosmic treason, uh, a rebellion against God, but there are in, in our horizontal lives, there are what we would call small sins. A small sin can destroy all that wisdom has accomplished. For that matter, it doesn't even have to be a sin issue. It might just be um, cluelessness or clumsiness or, or lack of care. Because there are people who don't know their right from the left, who don't know the, the, the right from wrong. The wise man knows the right to do and, and intends to do it. The fool, uh, his heart is inclined to the left, is inclined away from that which is right. But sometimes you dig a pit, verse 8. And you remember Swiss Family Robinson. Uh, I think it was the little boy who kept insisting, we've got to dig a pit and catch a tiger. There's a tiger in the woods. I've seen the tiger. We've got to catch this tiger. Because then when this, the bad guys come in uh, shore from the boat, then, then this tiger might actually help us. We've got to catch this tiger. You dig a pit. Sometimes you dig a pit and you do such a great job of covering it up that you end up being the one to fall into it. You dug the pit. You should kind of know where it is. And yet, you still fall into it from time time or or you're out cutting wood and and as you're chopping wood with an axe pieces of the 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 wood the little pieces of bark come flying back in your face and get in your eye you think or or perhaps people make fun of you for making sure you wear long pants and and goggles and ear protection when you're using a weed eater but it's a whole lot better than that junk flying back and hitting you in the face. That, that seems to be the, the kind of thing that he's talking about in particularly verses 8 through 11. That there's, there are acts that wisdom would accomplish and yet from time to time things happen before the wisdom kicks in. There was a time when... Um, Back at Christ Pres in Oxford, Mississippi, um, there was a time when half of the session had been bitten by a copperhead. Both the pastor and one of the ruling elders, there were three ruling elders, there were four guys on the session. Um, both the pastor and one of the elders had, had, had been bit by a copperhead. The, the elder was out hunting. He put his gun down to crawl through a barbed wire fence. All the things you're told to do. Don't crawl through a fence when you're holding the gun. You don't want to trip and stumble and fall and accidentally shoot it off and shoot yourself. Puts his gun down in the grass, crawling through the fence, reaches back for his gun, bite. Just like that. There are times when 
serpents bite the people breaking through a wall. There are times when bad things happen because a little bit more wisdom could have prevented them. A little more care and the person splitting logs is not so endangered by them. A little more wisdom and it helps you to succeed, verse 10. You know how it is. Simple mistakes. Simple you're just trying to do normal everyday events and, and, and you get in a rush and you just hurry and you cut corners and you do everything. I just got, I'm in a hurry. I don't have time. I, I know it would be smart to go all the way back to the garage and grab my protective glasses and some ear protection while I'm running this machine, but it's all the way back in my garage. A little bit of wisdom can help prevent, helps us to Succeed to use his language. Sin, a simple mistake, carelessness can all undo all that wisdom has built. It might even be the words that you say. It may be the things that come out of your mouth, verses 12 to 15. You know, colleges more and more are going back and examining social media posts from incoming freshmen or from people that they would might look to accept. You know, they get applicants to come to their college and, and part of the acceptance process, there's somebody, an admissions counselor, somebody digging around on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, whatever else, to see what kinds of stuff you've posted. There are college coaches who won't offer a scholarship to really good players because of things they've posted along the way or because of a, a text message that got out of hand that ended up coming back to haunt you, which was supposed to be to one person they then sent to other people. You've... You've seen Supreme Court nominees before go through the nomination and, and approval uh, confirmation process. So you're sure that anything that Judge Barrett has said in the past is going to be free game and part of this is going to be brought up and part of her confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court. Perhaps you've even experienced it yourself. Words that you thought were private ended up public. Words that you thought wouldn't get to back around to the person you were talking about only to discover that you had damaged their reputation, you had damaged your friendship, you had uh, caused them to, uh, to give up on you completely because you were careless and, or sinful or hateful in the way that you spoke. The lips of a fool consume him or destroy him might be a better uh, use of that word consume. The beginning of his words, their foolishness, the end of his talk is evil madness and everything in between is nothing but wandering down the road from folly to evil madness. People who multiply their words, who have no idea what they're talking about, who can't control their tongue as 
we read in James 3 just a few minutes ago. He multiplies His words and and all He can do is pile madness on top of folly. And saying more doesn't seem to help. He doesn't know the way. He doesn't know what He's doing. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't have the wisdom to communicate. And so He communicates all that He has, which is foolishness. Or there's the ruler who's young and inexperienced. Verse 16-20. to Inexperience and incompetence aren't the same thing. It's one thing to lack experience, but then to learn from that. It's another thing to be completely incompetent and unable. And here's a ruler who is both. He feasts for drunkenness, not for strength. He's lazy. He allows the house around him to turn to shambles while he goes on celebrating and partying because he has no idea what to do or how to rule, how to govern. Even the way you speak about that guy, verse 20. Now you would think of all people, a ruler who's inexperienced and incompetent and who wears his his competence on his sleeve, you would think of all people... Surely He's the one I'm allowed to talk bad about. Surely I have every right to say about Him, well, that guy's just an imbecile. That guy's just... He has no right to be in awe. He has no... And there's a warning in verse 20. He'll find out. I don't know how. I don't know how the words get to Him. I don't know if there's a camera. I don't know if there's a microphone. I don't know if... Somebody heard who tells somebody else who tells somebody else who tells somebody else and all of a sudden, word's gotten back to him. But there's a warning. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Nor in your bedroom, meaning the the secret innermost private place, don't curse the rich there because word will get back to them. How many times have we said things that led to great... Problems. How many times have we seen one small act of foolishness undo all that wisdom had accomplished? One word can undo great things. We know this, but we also know it works both ways. A few years ago, um, we for summer vacation, went to St. George Island. Love St. George Island. Only been twice, but I love it now. Um, partly because the Apalachicola Bay uh, provides an inordinate number, an, an inordinate percentage of the world's oysters. And who doesn't love a good raw oyster? You know, a little bit of sand can get inside of an oyster. And it becomes a pearl. A little bit of sand can get in your eye and it doesn't become a pearl. It becomes quite the opposite. We know that sometimes one little word can solve problems and one little word can cause them. We know 
Because we sing Martin Luther's great hymn, One little word shall fell him. One word will ultimately destroy Satan, will ultimately destroy the evil deeds of the evil one. We know that something great can come from something insignificant. That's part of the implication of Harry Potter. This kid who didn't know anything about the magic world at all turned out to be one of the greatest magicians of all time, if not the greatest. But we see that even in the life of Christ. You read the Gospels and you realize that everyone around Jesus thinks everything about Him is insignificant. What good comes out of Nazareth? He's born in a stable, stall, laid in a manger. Uh, he wasn't raised in a palace. He wasn't raised in the way you would expect a coming king to be raised. And yet, even as a two-year-old, as younger than that, it caused enough fear in Herod that he would go out and destroy everybody, two and younger, just to make sure he got rid of Jesus. Jesus would be the great king who rules over all of creation. But he comes from a baby in an insignificant part of an insignificant part of the globe to grow, to accomplish great things, to suffer and bleed and die, to accomplish our salvation. And He rules and reigns even now over creation to accomplish His purposes. The things that seem so random in Ecclesiastes are merely observation of the world under the sun between the horizons. But nothing's random. Yes, a little bit of foolishness, a little sin can undo great wise things on this earth, but nothing can undo what Christ is doing. Nothing can thwart the infinite perfect wisdom and infinite perfect power of our Savior Jesus Christ. So you look at a baby in a manger and seeing who is this so weak and helpless. And then you turn around and sing, Holy, 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 a mighty fortress. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Moments of foolishness might undo our work for a time, but no folly can thwart the plans of God. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for this sure and certain promise that yes, our sin, yes, our folly can mess up our lives, humanly speaking, can, can affect uh, things that, that wisdom has accomplished in this life. Uh, but we thank you that your infinite wisdom far outweighs, outstrips all folly on our part. 
that your power, your might, that your purposes, your plans, they will be accomplished. And so we pray for eyes to see and lives to participate in those purposes. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.